I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. I'm going to be speaking to you today about the secrets to friendship with Jesus. And I actually have a book called Encounter God Through Prayer uh, that I would encourage you to uh, purchase off of my website, Margie. Florent Ministries, I think, .org. So I'm just going to highlight some things today, and I really enjoy sharing my heart with you on this subject because it's something that I have used in my own life, and that's why I'm able to teach it. And I've not arrived. We're all developing in our walk with God. We're all developing friendship with Jesus. We're all learning Um, the ways to communicate with him and the ways he communicates back to us. But I really feel in my heart, like I have the heart of a mother, even for those of you that are listening online, that, 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 that the Lord is calling his people unto himself. And the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But what I have found by experience and just by talking to people, that oftentimes people don't know how to draw near to him. They view God as a God who is distant, he's far away, he's up in the sky somewhere. Well, he's actually very reachable. And he longs for fellowship and intimacy with each and every one of you. Um, There's just secrets to getting there. So I'm just going to share with you this morning, very simple message, the ways that I've learned to connect with Jesus. And when we talk about the secrets to friendship with Jesus, we're not talking about going to church. We're not talking about, you know, a religion or a religious uh, way of approaching God. We're talking about a real God who really wants to be intimate with his people. We're going, to be, we're going to read out of Genesis at some point, but when God created Adam and Eve, he created them because he longed for friendship and intimacy and community and family. And so he's still looking for that today. You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. Now, the beauty of God is is that he's not looking for perfect human beings. You know, the Bible says he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So none of us are perfect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We all have shortcomings. We all have issues. We all say and do things we normally wouldn't say and do. I could testify to that, and so could my friends. I had a very hard year last year, and I just was not totally myself. And so what? You know, God does not expect us to be perfect. But what he wants from us is is a perfect heart towards him 
meaning he wants us to have a desire to know him, to understand his heart. And when we draw near to him, we will be changed from glory to glory to glory. And the things that used to be a problem in your life will start to just eventually just just disappear or go away or whatever you want to call it. Because the Lord is the strength of our lives. Whom shall we fear? We need Jesus. So I want to talk to you today about the secrets of friendship with Jesus. And my opening verse is actually going to come from Ephesians chapter 3. And again, I really am going to really enjoy sharing this with you. I've been wanting to do a Facebook Live on this subject, and I'm still going to do it. Um, that I have this message burning in my heart for people to know and understand. Because oftentimes we think um, that, and I will get into this maybe, that we have to go into a closet, we have to shut a door, we have to have this whole thing going on, and, and that's part of intimacy with Jesus, but there's other ways to stay connected to him. Are you listening? So let's look here at Ephesians chapter, or Philippians chapter 3. Um, Paul is speaking, and at the end of his life, we find in, in verse 8 uh, or 7, you know, first of all, Paul was in the natural like from a work standpoint, he was perfect. He said, I did everything right. I, I even persecuted the church <laughs> trying to do what was right, even though it was we know he was doing the devil's work. But at the very end of his life, Paul found his purpose. And you know, we think about that purpose-driven life by Rick Warren. Is that who wrote that book, Diane? You know, that, that book sold, sold, I don't know, it was one of the top, top, top selling books. Because everybody's looking for their purpose. We all want to find the meaning of life, and we want to know why we were born. And what I love about the verses that we're going to read today is that at the end of Paul's life, he found his purpose. Okay? He found his purpose. And it wasn't writing two-thirds of the New Testament. It wasn't all these outward things. It was something that was hidden in his heart that only he could have with his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you are as close to God as you, as, as you want to be. <laughs> there are heights and depths and breaths and lengths of intimacy with God. And I truly believe that one day we'll all stand before God, and we know that. And, and I know that, you know, when that day comes, we will still have more to know about who Jesus is in his heart. As a matter of fact, one of my prayers, you know, you, this, this is actually a prayer that I made up. It's like three pages. But one of the things that I pray in this prayer is, Lord, I want to know your heart. Show me your heart. You know, Moses prayed, show me your glory. And I don't really totally understand what that means when somebody says, show me your glory, even though I teach, I preach, and we've talked about the glory and the glory. But I just want to know God's heart. And the in interesting thing about Moses, if you go into, I think it's Exodus 3, we find that Moses, when, when God first appeared to him in that burning bush scene, how many of you remember that? Are you listening online? How many remember that? You know, he was afraid of God. He was afraid to look at God. He was terrified, okay? 
But when you go all the way into Exodus 33, and you, you see the journey of how he developed friendship with, with God, I said to the Lord, what changed from Exodus 3 to Exodus 33? And I really felt like the Lord said to me, he got to know my heart. He became deeply and intimately acquainted with me. He understood who I was. He understood my character. He saw how I loved the people. And, and I think that, that that's, that's what you and I need. That's why it's very important to study the scriptures. You know, the Bible says, study to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? Because if we really want to know God, we want to know his heart, we've got to find him in the word of God. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not up and down. He's not schizophrenic. He's very consistent. He's very trustworthy. He's very loving. He's very patient. He's very kind. He doesn't boil over with jealousy. He is not rude. You know, he is a good God. And I think that that's what happened to Moses. And all the fear and all the shame and all the terror that he had turned into intimacy with God. To the point where, if you read Exodus 33, the Bible says that Moses knew God face to face as a man would speak to his friend. And I have to be honest with you, I can't be anything other than who I am. That is my desire. That is my quest. I want to know God face to face as a man speaks to his friends. His friend. I can remember teaching this. I used to do an extra session when I taught in fits because I wanted to just really emphasize prayer to the ministry leaders that were up and coming. And I remember telling them that, that you know, it's one thing to just you know, the God of, you know, the Bible. And it's another thing, and we want to know him in the Word. It's another thing to also know him in the place of prayer and intimacy, to have that face-to-face -face encounter with him, to not just know him through the Scriptures, but know him by the Spirit. And I'm just going to be honest, that only comes through prayer. And there's different ways to pray, different kinds of prayer. We're going to get into this. But it only comes through a conscious decision. I am going to put God first place in my life. What, did, what does the scripture about Martha and Mary talk about? Martha was working, 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 working. And, and, and then they, they got Jesus right in their own house. You know, and you know, to be honest, you have Jesus in your own house. You just can't see him, but he's there and he's waiting for you to come unto him. So many of you are laboring and you're burdened down. He says, you come to me, I'll give you rest. So you think about Martha and Mary, you know, you know, Mary, you know, Martha's working, 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 and there's nothing wrong with working. But if you've lost touch with Jesus Christ, or you've lost touch with that, I want to call it a feeling or a burning or a knowing, then you got to get back. And let me tell you, it happens to all of us. I get really busy, and then I'm like, Lord, I don't want this for me. This is not what I want for my life. I want to be intimate with you. I want to be like Mary, you know, where I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I'm wanting to hear what you have to say. And, 
he wants that from us. Just like he wants, he wants it, he wants it from us, but he wants to be close to us as well. Friendship with Jesus. You know, I want to be friends with him. Say that with me. I want to be friends with Jesus. So let's read out of um, uh, uh, Philippians. So Paul, at the end of his life, he said, yet indeed, he said, all these things, who I am, how gifted I am, how smart I am, how much money I am. I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Now here at the end of my life, and he didn't even brag about all the visions that he had. You know, so many people brag about all that stuff. makes me want to, you know, it, it nauseates me. You know what? If you have a real intimate encounter with Jesus Christ, would you really want to put it all out on the Internet? That, that was just free. I had to say that. He said, at the end of my life, everything that I counted that was gained to me, I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. He said, who I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, this is New King James, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then he says, verse 10, and then we're going to read out of the Amplified. I'm sure Lorraine put that up for us. He said, that I may know him. And, and the Amplified says, that I may become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing the wonders of his person. Now think about it. How many people do you know are bored in church or bored with their walk with God? But here this scripture says, you know, we want to, there's so much to know about God. We, we, could, we can't even perceive the wonders of his person. There's heights and depths and lengths, like we said prior. So this was the quest of the Apostle Paul, and I, I love this. And so then he goes on to say, he said, perceiving the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings, so to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, into his death. So what keeps us? from being close or intimate with Jesus. Now, we're going to get into that. And some of these pertain to me and how I was raised, because I was raised, thankfully for me, as a Catholic girl. And I loved God my whole life, and I loved being Catholic, and I loved going to church every day. As a matter of fact, my first encounter with the presence of God was when I was confirmed. <laughs> That may be a surprise to you. you. You had an encounter with God in the Catholic Church when you were being confirmed as a child. I absolutely 100% did because I took the scriptures and the things that I was being taught and I took it to heart. I took it deeply. I wanted to be close to Jesus. And so when they said at confirmation, you know, that the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. I don't exactly know what they, they teach. I forget now. But I just remember going up to be confirmed. And I remember, uh, like, oil being poured all over me. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who says God can't show up in a Catholic church? He showed up on me as a little girl. 
Who says that children can't have encounters with Jesus Christ? They have. And so I remember like going back to my seat, sitting down, and going, he's here with me. And every, some of the other kids were just playing and laughing. And I go, don't they feel this? Don't they have this? That presence stayed on me for three days. I don't know about you, but I want to know how to maintain the presence of God. And that's what we're talking about, friendship with Jesus. Brother Lawrence, if you ever read his book, I haven't, but I have it in my bookshelf. <laughs> it's supposed to be a good book. But his book is about maintaining the presence of Jesus. And he was so close with Jesus that he carried a presence with him. Now, doesn't the Bible say that we are a fragrance to the world? Do you know that when you pray or you walk closely with Jesus, you have a continual fragrance, Re Revelations 5.8, that goes up before the throne of God. So, you know, you have, how many of you have ever had people say to you, I can sense that you have God in you? My daughter and her husband uh, and I were in a mall in Bridgewater, and I just knew the lady was a Christian. How did you know? You sense it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? After long story short, you know how you could kind of wean your way into talking to people about Jesus? Because, you know, you got to be wise when you're trying to win somebody over. But I sensed she was a Christian. So, you know, uh, somehow the subject came up. She goes, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. She was so excited. I said, well, I could sense it. And she was actually surprised. You know why? Because she condemns herself puts herself down, lives in shame, lives in fear. She didn't even know that she was a fragrance in that department and that people could actually pick up on it. See, those are the things that keep us down. And she said to us, she said, you know, I was so encouraged that you sensed that I was a Christian because she was beating herself up. But I'm telling you, friends, people are going to know that we're Christians. But what keeps us from... True intimacy with God. I'm only going to give you three C's. Number one is we need to have confidence in prayer. Or confidence before the throne of God. Confidence. Now you look here at, the, at Adam and Eve, and I know you know this verse, but there's many people that we're raising up in these days that have never heard these verses. And as leaders, I believe we need to get back to some of the basics. Because... That doesn't the scripture say we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have learned lest at any time we what? Anybody know how to complete that? We let them slip and we get back into religion. We get back into how we were raised. So let's look at Adam and Eve, the fall of Adam and Eve, Genesis 3. You know the story. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and she ate it. She messed up, didn't she? She disobeyed God. She did exactly what the Lord told her not to do. How many of you have ever done that? Don't look at me like you're perfect. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, you know, I used to think, well, what did that mean? I just think that their eyes were opened. They realized their humanity, whereas before they were divinity. They were created in the image and in the likeness of God. They had 100% dominion over the earth because God gave it to them. They were so smart, they named all the animals. That was a good word. I never thought of that. There was a very beautiful anointing in here. 
You know that, right? Okay. Then, the, Because J Jesus likes this kind of talk. Because this is why we were created. We were created to be intimate with him. So the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked. And they saw their humanity. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam. Isn't that interesting? You know that the Lord is calling you? He knows you by name. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. That's, he knows that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's so intimate with you. I had some hairs falling out on the, on the, on the dresser today. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I got a few less hairs on my head, but only you know how many. He said, Adam, where are you? Can you hear the heart of God in this? Where are you? So he said, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. So the trust and the confidence that he had with the Father turned into fear. I was afraid because I was naked, and then what did he do? He hid himself. And then the God said to him, you know, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, oh, the woman you gave me, you know, she gave it to me and I ate. That's a whole nother Bible study. <laughs> and the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman admitted her wrongdoing. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is fear, guilt, and shame. And as a result, they hid themselves from the presence of God. How many of you have ever done that? You do something, you say something, you're a certain way, and then you're starting to hide from God. So instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you look, you look away from him in distraction, and your distraction is fear, worry, guilt, and you're hiding yourself from the presence of God, and God, Jesus is just saying, if you'll just come to me, I'll restore you. I'll heal you of your brokenness. I'll heal you of your disease. Come unto me. If you're tired, I'll give you rest. Listen, I say this to people, and especially in the day and the season we live in today in this world, don't run from Jesus. If you've got stuff going on in your life, run to him. See, but that's where confidence comes in, confidence in the presence of God. When you know that you know that you know that God loves you, he will in no wise cast you out. When you know he loves you and he's knocking at the door of your heart and he's saying, would you please stop hiding from me? When you know he loves you, you'll turn back to him in faith. And you'll look at him once again. And then you'll go up and go on your merry way. I know people, you know, I think actually I heard Kenneth Copeland say this. He, he, he used to like, I think he used to eat like four loaves of bread with two sticks of butter. It's kind of funny to see that now, right? Because he's so skinny and fit. But you know, he was bogged down by guilt. And so he would be like, well, I'm just, it may be in about three days. I'll, I'll, I'll look at Jesus and I'll have that connection with him once again. And one day the Lord said, and what are you doing? Listen, if you sin and you confess your sin, he is what? 
faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to wait three days to get rid of all the guilt. Just pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and move on. There is no fear in love. Hmm. But perfect love drives out fear. When you know that God loves you, you have nothing to fear. So think about John 3.16. He so loved the world that he gave his son. He would have given his son if it was just for you and you alone. You need to have that mindset. And it will give you confidence in the presence of God. So we have a righteousness consciousness and we have a sin consciousness. What is sin consciousness? You cover yourself, or Adam covered, and he covered themselves. They were afraid. They were naked. Therefore, they hid. What is righteousness consciousness? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, If you're in Christ, which we are, we're hidden in him. We're hidden behind the cross. If we are in Christ, what are we? We're a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new, the sin nature is gone. The sin that passed from Adam to humanity is gone. Jesus was the second Adam, correct? So that sin nature is gone. So when the father looks at you, he sees his son, and he sees the finished work of the cross. So you can have confidence in him. Confidence in his presence. Confidence that if you ask anything according to his word, he hears you. And you know that you have the petitions you desire. See, I know that I know that I know that I know that God's got me. And I have little examples all around my life popping up everywhere. God's got you. He loves you. He's got you. But you've got to have that righteousness consciousness and that righteousness consciousness will give you confidence in the presence of God. Are you listening? Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. So you think about it like okay, secrets of of the of the of friendship with God. It's all by faith. <laughs> Blessed are those that believe and have never seen him physically. Kenneth E. Hagin had multiple visions of Jesus, but he still had to exercise his faith. It is impossible to please him. He who comes to God must what? Must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, I believe that he is, and so do you, or you would be in church today. You'd be hanging outside with all the greenery and all the pollen and with the dogs and the kids. You wanted to hear from God. Okay? Let's look at Hebrews 4.16. When you have confidence, you can approach God boldly. I love this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, that's a scripture that we could use. If you need grace and mercy and help, Go boldly to the throne. Lord, I have a problem, and you are the answer, and I need your help. So that word boldly means, in the Webster's, fearless. Let us come fearlessly to the throne of grace. It means taking liberties. Let's, let's come fearlessly, and let's take our place in Christ. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Old things have passed away. Let us come shameless. That word also means shameless. I'm just going to hide. I did something really bad. Move on. I said move on. But I can't. You can. I just need therapy. We all need therapy. I have a therapy session Monday night. So what? But I just can't. You can. Why? Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If he said what he said about you, then it's true. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. I'm hearing this in my spirit again. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. He who fears is not made perfect in love. So here's a remedy to the problem, if you have that problem. Pray, I think it's Ephesians either 1 or 3. Pray that you would have a revelation of the love of God. What is it? So Ephesians 1.18, pray that over yourself, not once. Pray it over and over and over. Lord, I just pray. I want to understand your heart. I want to know you. I want to understand your love for me. And I'll tell you, if you've got insecurities, it'll drive them all out. Because you'll be like, no insecurities here. I know God loves me. This is a really good message. See, see people think that you're doing this. And we are the mouthpiece. But it's the Holy Spirit who speaks through the individual and gives inspired thoughts and creative ideas. Do you understand that? So that the Greek word is P-A-R-R-E-S-I-A. -R -R -E -E it means the absence of fear, speaking boldly, confidence, cheerful courage. So let's go boldly to the throne of grace with cheerful courage. So we have confidence. Then we have closet prayer. We're talking about how the secrets to friendship with Jesus. I wrote a whole book on this. I have the whole thing. How to, how to pray, find a room, get a journal, uh, how to use your spiritual imagination, the whole thing. It's a really good book. It's called Encounter God, but we're not, we don't have time. But closet prayer. Here, let me show you something. Mark 4.32. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them, he was meaning to the crowds, as they were able to hear it. So he spoke to the crowds in parables and with stories. But look at this. How many of you want friendship with Jesus? But without a parable, he did not speak to them, meaning his disciples. We're taking this out of context, but I'm just telling you who he's talking to. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained or he expounded all things to his disciples. Lord, show me your heart. I hear your heart in church, but I want to hear and know your heart when I'm by myself with you. Come away, my beloved. Spend time with me alone in a secret place where there is no thought of self, there's no thought of the refrigerator, there's no thought of needing to do anything, where you spend time alone with me face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And if your mind wanders, bring it back and focus your attention once again on me because I am an ever-present help in the time of need. 
I'm here with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you pray, I hear you when you pray. And I'm literally standing right there listening because my eyes will be open. My ears attentive unto all the prayers that you pray in that secret place. Are you not the temple of the Holy Spirit? I learned to pray in a closet, a literal closet, when I was at Rama Bible Training Center. Because the Bible said in Matthew 6, 6, and you know, if you do the Greek, it's a different word. We're not getting into it. It says, but when you pray, go into your room. Actually, that word, is, uh, I believe in the Greek, means secret chamber. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in the secret place will reward you openly. Uh, you know, I'm hearing this. Come away, my beloved. Is that the Song of Solomon scripture? Come away, my beloved. Spend time alone with me. You are distracted about many things and you have many troubles. If you'll just come to me, I will make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. And I will cause all things to work together for your good. But I need you to come away because your strength is kept in prayer. Seven days without prayer makes one week. Why am I so distracted? Well, first of all, it's the phone, the internet, the computer has caused, has done damage to our brains. Do you know that? Right. But we got to get our focus back. And we are, and we will. So closet praying creates closeness or intimacy just like any other relationship, right? Husbands and wives, don't you take your, each other out to dinner so you can look at each other face to face and discuss whatever life is all about? And doesn't that create intimacy in your marriage? Are you listening? Same thing with Jesus. And it's not works. It's relationship. Here's one of my favorite, and I couldn't wait to get to it. This is something I've been learning over the last few years because I always taught about closet praying, and then God started teaching me about continual prayer. Now, before I get into it, remember this. You're the house of God. What does he say? My house will be called what? A house of prayer. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God dwells in you. He lives in you. You're his God. You're his child. So I'm saying continual prayer. When I talk about continual prayer, I'm talking about just like closet prayer in a sense, meaning it's a habit that you could develop over time, practice, and patience. I'm just going to let that sink in. It's a practice that you can develop over time, practice. I forgot what I said. When I go back and listen, I'll, I'll see. But it's a habit that you can develop and practice. But it takes time. It takes focus. You give me some scripture, Mark. All right. Are you ready? 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Pray without ceasing. Well, how do you do that? Well, let me give you another scripture and we can talk about it a little more. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always. How do you pray always? How do you pray without ceasing? Here's, here's something that I've learned. 
Become God-inside-minded or God-conscious. Looking inward as you go about your day. Remember, it takes practice. So if I, let's, see, let's give an example. So if I go to the grocery store, Lord, what do you think? Lord, what should I have for dinner? If he's my friend, I'm going to talk to him like I would talk to a friend. Lord, what do you think I should have for dinner? I'm not being crazy, super spiritual. If you lived with me, you'd see I'm a very normal human being. I'm not one of these super spiritual people, but I'm talking about the secrets to friendship with Jesus. Lord, what should I wear today? What do you think about this? Lord, give me wisdom. I got a hard thing going on right now, and give me wisdom. Lord, really need you to step in for me right now. I need the right people in my life at the right time. It's looking inward and having a conversation with Jesus about everyday life, or you could have a conversation with him about his word, or you could have a conversation about whatever. I'm talking about continual prayer. Here's a scripture. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in where? 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 In your heart. Where? To who? To the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's continual prayer. So think about it. You listen to Christian music mostly, I hope, because whatever goes in you comes out. So I practice, even though I like, you know, Celine Dion and some of you too, I just can't, for me, I'm not saying you. There's nothing wrong with their music. But for me, I don't want to listen to it. I'll tell you why. It, it disrupts my frequency to heaven. For me. I'm not saying, I'm not putting this on anyone. Because whatever you put in comes out. So if I listen to Christian, my, my Jesus culture and all the hill song or whatever, the kind of music you listen to, what about that song, The Blessing? May his favor be upon you and your children, your children's children. And then my recent one is Sparrows. Have you heard that one? I love that song, my God. So I listen to this music and so when I'm going about my day, I'm not on my knees, those songs come up, where? In my spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. They come up in my spirit because I put them in my heart, they're planted, they're coming up. So the Holy Spirit's job is to take the things of mine, Jesus said, and show it unto you. So he takes that song, he takes that hymn, he takes that scripture, it rises up in you, and the Holy Spirit's re revealing Jesus to you in a deep and intimate way. And then you're like, wow, he does care about me more than he cares about the sparrows because he just spoke something to me. He gave me a half a scripture. That song, when I used to get songs in my heart, I'd be like, oh, I've just got a song in my heart. I realized one day, that's the Holy Spirit giving you the song so it keeps your relationship with Jesus fresh and vibrant. 
I used to think, oh, the Holy Spirit, because I taught on the Holy Spirit for 20-something years. I say, oh, the Holy Spirit, you know, it, you know, he comes into our services. He teaches through us. He gives us inspired thoughts. The Holy Spirit moves, the gifts of the Spirit, so on and so forth. One day I realized that another thing that the Holy Spirit does is he keeps my relationship with Jesus fresh. This is really good teaching. I want my people to come to me. It's very simple. Continual prayer. So speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So it's a melody in your heart. How many of you, here's another thing. How many of you have ever had a song that you had in your heart and it played over and over and over in your jukebox right here? Hundreds of times throughout the day. And maybe just one verse of that song. That's continual prayer. That is friendship with Jesus. And it's friendship with Jesus where? In the secret place. Where? In your heart. Teresa and I, we went to Acala, Florida, and we ministered in the prisons. And I remember... That one day, you know what I'm going to say, tired, I was so tired, oh God, I could hardly keep my eyes open, I was so tired that day, and I had my head against the wall, and I was just like, Lord, how am I going to minister to these women? We did men and women, and there was about 120 women, I said, how am I ever going to do this? Just to give you a little background, I got up to preach, preached like an hour and 45 minutes, like a house on fire, and said things I never heard myself say before. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. This is not the work of man. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. And so I remember this coming out of my heart, not even knowing the circumstances of what it's really like to be in prison. Thank God I've never been to prison. But I didn't know that they're told what to do and how to do it and line up. And anytime they want, they can make them stand up. And then they got to do a head count. They have no control over any part of their life at all. They're told what to do, how to do it, what to eat, what not. It's unbelievable. But, you know, you just follow the leading of the Spirit. And I remember saying to the ladies, listen, no one can control your inward life. No one can control your inward life. You can have a melody in your heart to the Lord and sing to, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You can commune with him in your own heart, even on your bed, David said. Nobody can control that. And you could develop that intimacy with Jesus that will carry you through anything. I'm going to say it again because now I have it in my notes. This is an art, this kind of praying. And it takes conscious practice until it becomes a habit. I have a habit of working out. What do you have a habit of doing? It's a habit. It's something you practice because you know you're going to get results. Right? If it's a good habit. You will get results if you practice continual prayer. What will be the most incredible result? What would be the best reward? Having intimacy with him, like a friend. Lastly, contemplative prayer. I call it praying in your bed. 
This is a good one when you reach, <laughs> when you're over 50. Because you know all that closet praying and all that interceding, right, Diana? I'm not shaking. You know, you're interceding, you're doing warfare. And, you know, you know it just, I've been learning that praying in my bed is praying. And it's not lazy. And I have verses for that. Psalm 63, 6. This is David. Now remember, David made a lot of mistakes. But one thing that nobody could take from him is that he had a heart after God. Are you listening? David said, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. You go to bed. I had three kids in one year, man. When I used to lay in my bed at night, and they were all in their cribs. Jacqueline, of course, would always be out. One time she even broke out of her crib. But for the most part, when I put them in bed, they stayed in bed. And I'd lay in my bed, and I couldn't do closet praying. You know, the devil would like to condemn me for that. But when I'd lay in my bed, I would just commune with my heart, in my heart to the Lord. And I would sing in melodies and songs, whatever. Here's another scripture. Well, I don't have another one. It's all right. I'm done. But I want to say this. How many of you have ever awakened in the middle of the night and instead of, I would encourage you, worrying about all your problems, why don't you start singing in your heart to the Lord? Make your bed your prayer closet. Listen, I've done that because even though it's strong, would be going over and over and over and over and over. And after a while, I, I started to notice, and I, I got to get this back because I've lost it. Because when you're in relationship with somebody, you got to keep it vibrant. You got to keep that communication open, right? And I can remember one time I was over and over just talking to God, talking to God, just the scripture, just thinking about him and meditating on the word, just laying in my bed. And, and I noticed my heart started to burn. And I felt him so near to me. And it's a burning in your heart. It's not acid reflux. There's a difference. It's a burning. And, and then the scripture came to me, did not our hearts burn when he walked with us and he was going from all throughout all the scriptures about himself? It's a burning. Let's stand. Secrets to friendship with Jesus. I want that. What a beautiful teaching this was. You have to understand, it's, this is something that's very difficult to teach if you don't have the Holy Spirit helping you. You understand? And I believe even those of you that were listening online, there was something imparted to you. And I believe that God is raising up a people that will know him in these last days. Not just the psychology of the gospel. You can do it. You can win. We're talking about true intimacy with God. Isn't that what we need? So I'm going to pray over you before we dis First of all, I want to make sure you're saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you want to know the Jesus, 
that we talked about today, I want you to say this prayer with me. Let's all pray it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us Jesus. I'm not sure I know Jesus, and I want to know him. So Jesus, today, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to invade my life. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. And now I'm going to pray over you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that they would come to know and understand the wonders of your person. I pray that they would come to know and understand your heart. I pray that there would be a, an, an increase of revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they would know it is the hope of their calling, and that is to know you in a greater depth of intimacy. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.